We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is, this is, this is, this is. Heat, heat beat, heat beat, heat beat. With Giancarlo Navas and Ryan Goins. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today, uh, let's call it Special Edition Heat Beat. Uh, Brian Goins is with me, our co-founder slash producer slash editor-in-chief. What's up? So Brian's here. And uh, we have two special guests, not Heat Twitter or not uh, Heat Beat uh, writers. So we have, okay, Justin, I'm going to start with you. I don't know how to say your last name. So how do you say your last name? Uh, Rowan. Okay, Rowan. That's really easy. So we have Justin Rowan from Fear the Sword on. My friend, well, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be awesome. And then we have Sam. Um, is the name pronounced Sam? Because it's two ways. So I'm, I'm scared already. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's Sam Esfandiari. Okay, that's really complicated. So I'm just going to call you Sam. <laughs> where's that last name? I'm like so bad with names like, and I can't even spell on Twitter. Where's, where's that last name from? Uh, it's Persian. That's awesome, dude. So, okay, so we yeah. got Sam and we got Justin on. And uh, so Sam is from Warriors World. I thought that was an SB Nation blog. It's not. No, 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 it's independent. It used to be affiliated with ESPN True Hoop a few years back, but now it's uh, completely independent. Longest running Warriors uh, blog. Been going back to like Look at that. 99, 2000, back oh, wow. to the Montego Cummings era. It's good. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. People watched and cared about the Warriors before like the last two years? Ah, there <laughs> it is. All, all, all 18,000 in Oracle. Just <laughs> where, does that, hold on. where did that stigma start? Because everybody's like saying these bandwagon that Warriors. That stigma is for every good team ever. That stigma is for the Cavs. It was for the Heat when the Heat were good. Like um, everyone but the Spurs because like nobody's like, oh, man. <laughs> Hey, baby, how you doing? I'm a Spurs fan. <laughs> it's true, too. Like, I, I, I honestly want to say the Cavs and Heat and probably most, actually every team has, like, 
a loyal base of diehard fans, but as soon as the Warriors have got good, you you see all because the Bay Area is a, a pretty big market. You're talking about 10 million people in the Bay Area, and like all the people who are I don't know maybe NFL fans or MLB fans are all all of a sudden like oh I've always been a Warriors fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I went to one oh, game yeah. in 2005. You know like st- stuff like that. And then of course, like Justin said, whatever team is the dominant team. Uh, in the NBA is going to get all like the, you know, I was a Lakers fan in 2001. Uh, I was a huge Jordan fan in 96. You know, those people are always jumping around. So that's just kind of how it goes, in my opinion. I actually really enjoy, and I think one of the reasons I get along so well with a lot of Warriors fans is like there's so many similarities from Warriors fans and Cavs fans, like the tortured markets for a long time, insecurity, like any like any opportunity to like take a shot at someone else, they're going to jump on it. And like, I just really enjoy that. And like for me, I, I think the reason why I'm not in a war with any of you guys is I don't take any of this too seriously. Sports is escapism at the end of the day. Absolutely. Um, obviously, we're all passionate about his fans but um it's nothing i'm going to be freaking out over on a day-to-day basis well you say that and he twitter hates cleveland twitter like they legitimately want to kill each other i have a question for you guys i I have a question for you guys is there such a thing as like cavaliers twitter and warriors twitter and how's that fight with them all the time but what is it i mean do you guys have your thing called warriors Warriors twitter is the worst it's um anytime that anyone makes a comment about Steph Curry not being that good, you'll get Sheed, who runs the Warriors World account, to retweet it. And then <laughs> and then uh, Justin, Justin can attest to it. Then it turns into like 4,000 people just going oh, off man. on them. It's, no, it's, no, it's no. the exact same as everything. And like, if there isn't someone saying something bad, sometimes Sheed's going to make up a tweet. Like, I got the fake retweet. I was asleep. <laughs> Woke up on a Saturday what? morning and they did like one of those fake manual retweets of me like slandering Draymond Green. And I got Draymond's mom in my mentions. No way. Telling me to die. What? <laughs> hey, Mar- Mar- a- Mary's a legend. Leave her alone. Wait, hold on. This, this begs follow-ups. What, what, what was said and what, what, what happened? Oh, man. What was, it was something about Draymond being like a role player or whatever. And uh, I don't know. Am I allowed to swear on the podcast? Listen, I, we we are the curse cast, man. You can swear whatever you okay. want. Okay. She essentially told me to eat shit. So it was, <laughs> it was pretty funny. I, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was pretty funny. And, yes, to answer your question, there is cast Twitter. I actually got to say it, it was definitely more fun almost when they were bad. Um, and I think like I became a better sports fan like post decision because I stopped like living and dying with the results of every games. I mean, you'd have to otherwise you're you're hanging yourself at that point. Um, but it was like amazing. I fear the sword. Like we do um, game threads, like uh, comments throughout the game and stuff. And like it would be a Wednesday night in Charlotte, terrible Cavs team, and like there would be 450 comments. Like people were just going nuts for, for like anything that was like remotely fun. Like they just found bright spots. Now like, everyone, no, now on. everyone, now that there's expectations, like everyone's miserable all the time, and like. Um, I, I mean, those, that same core is still there, and they're, like, laughing at everybody else. But um, once the general Cleveland fan has kind of infiltrated and joined this Cavs Twitter, it's become... Um, Different place. Like, yeah, it's become typical Cleveland sports. How many bandwagons do you guys have? 
Oh, I was What's gonna that? say that was my favorite part of uh, when the Warriors weren't as good. You can you can pull this up because it's hard to find anything on the internet. Let's say pre ten years ago, like message boards pretty much disappear, but all the SB Nation stuff and everything like that is still very active. So you can find old Golden State of Mind or Warriors Worlds. Uh, comment sections from like 2009 where there's a long like a debate like no we gotta trade curry because like he can't play with monte and monte oh my those are the dude those are those days yeah it's it's just gold you can go through that stuff and it's you gotta love the internet for saving everything (laughs) for for heat twitter it's the opposite like now that we're bad twitter is like it's still fun but i mean they're really creative crazy people but it's not the same as like mm-hmm. i mean random uh scrubby well, killer fair, all that to fun be stuff. fair you guys aren't that bad like oh, we're still, not that bad you think we're not that bad good. you're not like relative to l- listen you're, where I'm you're not a 20 from. you're not a 21 win team right right team. i mean pat riley didn't take it in the right direction and go rebuild like he tried to keep it competitive it's like you're not that bad you're still a playoff team <laughs> but but like the it's not like before. And Brian, I think you can attest to it. I mean, at our peak was like just insanity, uh, Cobra Dick. Yeah, as I was thinking. Death machine. <laughs> yeah, like it was something else. And now it's it's still the same. I mean, now it's more team petty. Lots of team petty. I love team petty. <laughs> okay, that's so, when uh, that's when blogs are at their best, though. In my, in my opinion, like, oh, team, team petty blogs. blogs? Yeah. Nah. Yeah, like war, like I'll warrior. What the hell is there to really say about the Warriors? Like it's it's pretty much you, you're waiting for Oscar Robertson or someone to slight the team so you can just jump all over them because that what, was he Twitter. I mean, the, the dream, like I I was just I was just so happy over the dream on blow up yesterday. I was like finally something to talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, like, I guess stuff like that, like. No, I I was going to say, I guess for us, it was since the nation kind of like the team was so disliked publicly. I mean, we had to fight everybody. Charles Barkley. It was all the guys in the national media and it was constant fighting and and just being unreasonable. I mean, we were so unreasonable. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And in the scheme and the scheme of it, the Heat only had about a year and a half of I mean, I'm not not saying anything for Lourdes, but they like there was a year and a half where it was about where it was really dominant. Otherwise, like year one, it was kind of the coming together and the dysfunction and like can LeBron and Wade play. And the last year there was just all the injuries and it was clear like half the squad was kind of, you know, like Batty and all those guys were kind of old. So it wasn't really that long of them being at the peak as opposed to them being like everyone's Everyone was just waiting to jump all over them for the losing, middle two so. years is when things yeah. got quiet and the bookends is when it, it got a little mm-hmm. But yeah. and I'm, fun, I'm glad that you guys brought that up because I wrote something juxtaposing the big three heat to the Warriors now and how I feel like they're going to the same place of hatred in America, but they're getting there in a real different way. Right. So like LeBron comes here and it's South uh, Beach and it's annoying and it's like, why do they need all that? LeBron's cutting corners. Right. So then they they're hated from the start. And the Warriors, on the other hand, have this cuddly, adorable mascot in Steph Curry jacking up 50 footers. Right. So it's a different perception that the nation has of them. And then I think the Warriors are kind of reaching this place of the country's not liking them because they're dancing all over you when they're beating you by 30. But 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 I I I disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say they're reaching a dislike level among hardcore basketball fans. As that's what it is. And Twitter, because 
Yeah, because it's a, it's a, I'd be annoyed with the Warriors if I wasn't a Warriors fan. Like, get get off my lawn. Like, someone, <laughs> it's not in, it's not interesting. You know, it's like they they're. I mean, it obviously, is I don't think that they're infallible in the playoffs or anything. But um, oh, you don't. You know, we watching we'll different teams. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll, we can get to that. We'll get to that. We saying, got that. But but the way they are just like bringing the average non NBA fan out, like they are generating yeah. revenue ratings that have not been seen since probably the Shaq Kobe teams or more so the Jordan ones. Like the and this is just this is just based on TV ratings internationally and nationally. They're just generating buzz for a million reasons, some of them probably not the greatest reasons, but like they're, they're bringing out the casual sports fan who has a stigma of disliking the NBA because they're not, you know, LeBron or something like that. I'll let Justin mm-hmm. go just, off Yeah, uh, like really, when you think about it, Twitter, even though all the writers are on there, the hardcore basketball fans and that, it's still such a small sample size. Like, um, it, it's really just... It's like the think piece people and all that kind of stuff. Like you're you're going to get people looking to generate takes all the time. But I think the casual fan, like like Sam said, they're really drawn to this Warriors team. Uh, it's it's something we haven't really seen before. Like Steph especially, but like it almost I'll give feels. You, I'll give very, you a great example. I'll give you a Go great example right now. One of my um, one of my friends from college uh, was from Costa Rica and moved back there after college. Sends me a text today, watching a crappy Costa Rican league game, <laughs> and they just mentioned Steph Curry. You officially made it. So I asked what the context was, and they someone I guess scored. Uh, a goal from outside the box. So I'm going to say at least like 25 yards out. And the commentary goes, well, not as far as Steph Curry. And then they, they went on a tangent about how he's making them want to watch the NBA again. And that's from wow. like, you know, that's not a, that's not a basketball nation. That's it, it, so just, it speaks to like the way they're, they're, they're bringing the casual fan in. And then you can, you can yeah. take it to another level in the U S with like, you know, your, your baseball first fan or your, your NFL first fan, the way that they're like, Ooh, I need to see this guy because he's doing some really uh, unseen type of stuff. But does it? Yeah. Because I've always had this perception of he, he kind of is he physical of this idea of the NBA is soft now compared to the 90s, right? So I think I, I've always had the idea of people around the nation look, I mean, it's such a ridiculous asinine thing to say, but that the nation looks at this and says, oh, this is this. This is not, LeBron is, because national media wise, I mean, it was annoying how much they were doubted last year because he was not the prototypical star. LeBron is kind of like an all-American athlete, big, built, strong. Like, he looks sure. apart. I don't want to get too much into racial theory of it, but Steph Curry is made for white America. Oh, completely. What it, real, what it comes down to, he is polite. He is like, my mom knows who Steph Curry is. My mom knows maybe five athletes, period. You know, <laughs> like, it's just kind of, that's just kind of how it is. It's, um, it, so you it, think it, that it helps crosses. him? Yo, absolutely, absolutely. I thought it kind of hurt him because he was not in the image of what it hurts him. Felt it a hurts dominant athlete should look like. Heads. It hurts him with like the hardcore heads who don't care about that sort of stuff. They're just they they're just looking at the game and like I get why oh, he's old, right. he's Reggie Miller with a crossover. Like that's I, I completely get why yeah. old people don't get it because they're like. 
he's he's small. He's not that athletic. Like he's not Russell Westbrook. You know, like how can't they d him up? You know, like stuff like that. Like he's not LeBron. But mm-hmm. to the average the average person, he he symbolizes the like it, it's. It's almost the Larry. Hey, that could be me out there. It could be me out there, kind of thing. (laughs) No, yeah, that's what people think, and like they don't understand. Just like he's a freak athlete. If people don't understand that, they they don't understand exactly what he's doing because his core strength is ridiculous. Like the fact that he can balance his balance is unreal. Did you guys get that Pablo Torre piece that he did on that? Yeah, yeah, incredible. Hmm. Yeah, it, I was it, just about to bring that up, Sam. Like his balance is the most impressive thing because he can create that separation. He can he can find a way, no matter how contorted his body is, he finds a way to square his shoulder, square his core, and launch that thing. It's absolutely remarkable. And for some, like it's not it's like as obvious. He doesn't punch you over the face like LeBron's athleticism does, but it, it, it's. But that's what Just I'm talking about oh, is that right. he has – LeBron has a prototypical like athleticism, big, strong, fast. Curry's is more core strength and all that. So it's juxtaposed to each other. They're so different and one makes, I guess, Sports America more comfortable with this is what an athlete should look like. And then Curry comes in and it's Ernie, they too small, you know? Yeah, uh, you know what? I, I think the too small and all that appeals to the masses more. I, I think, like LeBron, well, you can say, it you appeals can say to the masses. It. Yeah, Steph Go is drawing. Steph is drawing ratings specifically from children more than anyone. I remember when I was the guy that you know we. Allen Iverson was my idol and it was for similar reasons to reason every kid loves Steph now because it's the little guy who dominates. But then you take it to another level where Steph is like, he's the most wholesome. I mean, your parents see you like, you know, your favorite athlete, Steph Curry, and they see him and they're just, they're just going to feed that. Whereas like, I remember my parents were like, who's, who the hell is this Alan Iverson guy? You know, like, uh, no, I'm not going to the sneakers. That sort of thing. But so AI, like, AI was different from a racial perspective and also for kind of sure. shocking America and tattoos and court. But he did, but like Steph, what, what I'm getting at is like Steph, every kid of that era loved him because kids generally love they like little guys. I mean, they just relate to them. You know, they're, they, they look at LeBron James. They're like, well, that's not me. You know, I'm five, two it's, or something like that. Right. So mm-hmm. it, there's that factor, but then there's a the fact that you, you double onto it. One, he's little and legitimately one of, you know, three or four best players in the NBA. And then he has the wholesome image. It's just like, it's the total package to catch everyone's attention. No, I, I think I think you're right on the money, Sam. And like, I mean, I can testify as, to this as like a young white guy here. Like, it's funny because one of the only non-Cavs jerseys I own is a Steph Curry jersey because like I was a big fan of him at Davidson, um, and like growing up, like I was a shooter, six two. Like, it was like, oh, that guy's like doing. Like he just just doing it because he's like perfected the art of shooting here. And of course, now I have to like shove the jersey to the back of my closet, <laughs> like piss on it or whatever. But <laughs> um, like, but no, like I've always been a fan of Steph's game, and like I probably would be able to enjoy like this season and last year more if it wasn't just so soul crushing. But uh, <laughs> like it, if the Cavs. 
Nas were still bad, like I would be like 100% on the bandwagon being like, like let's say theoretically LeBron stayed in Miami, I'd be all aboard the Warriors. Like well, you just, have, you'd have to be. It'd be, it'd be <laughs> yeah, their, of course. Their threat to the evil empire. But Brian, oh, did you see the game last night? I, have, I didn't only saw like? the last uh, five minutes during overtime. Well, that's all that counted. That's yeah, all pretty that counted. much. Did you now? I think more so than Curry making the shot was the stones to take them, like to take that shot. And I know that, and you guys have we've seen it happen. Oh, a lot, I, disagree, I disagree. I disagree with you because he took that shot where he knew he timed it up that no one else was going to get a shot. Completely and it was open. A tie, and it was a tie game. He wouldn't. I, I. I don't know if he pulls up at that point. If they're no, down. not with four and a half seconds on the clock. He's not no. pulling up from he there. He stopped the second and waited to time it perfectly. I mean, what do they have? 0.7 seconds left. Let's assume he yeah. misses it. By the time it it hits off the board and they get a rebound, no one's getting a shot off. So it it, it would have easily been seen as you know a heave, and I mean, no one would have. They could have called a timeout. Out. I mean, they had the timeout to call. They were they're never gonna they were never gonna call a timeout. That's uh that's like her and that's a general. Mo. First, first off, the Warriors don't aren't. Have you have you watched their sideline out of bounds in close games? Like Steph just gets you know you'd have Durant. Well, no, actually Durant was out of the game, but you have Roberson and someone just he can't. The, the sideline out of bounds tend to always go to Clay or Iguodala for the reason that they're big and long enough to catch it over a contest. You know, like he basically have, whoever they're able to free up with a moving screen. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Don't even say <laughs> that in Miami. Draymond oh, would be inbounding it. So Miami wants to screen. kill you people because of that. Because we felt That's exactly wrong. why I brought it up. That's exactly why I brought it up. I'm just getting those little body shots in, working working my way up to a big blow later on. Has Draymond, <laughs> has Draymond been Ooh. asked about that? Oh, yeah. Did you not see his, his tweets about it? It was no, I missed that. What of Miami you? fans, man. What did he do? Okay, so um, Oscar Robertson made those comments, and then um, then Bogut tweets out like he's like, "Yeah, we had this guy on my Melbourne under fourteen team, Fat Jimmy. He would have totally deed Steph up." And then Draymond <laughs> did the uh, quoted reply and goes, "Hey, tell Fat Jimmy I got some illegal screens for him." Oh God, no! <laughs> Just like they're making they're making jokes out of it. I mean, I. I'm going to come from the perspective of I don't think anything Draymond does is any different than anything KG or like majority of big men do on screens. Um, he got called legal for that one, but he definitely does. Him and Bogut definitely do do the this subtle, dirty stuff that refs never call with screens, such as a little like. Yep. I just if found it, it was funny. just the Warriors, if it was just the Warriors, it would be annoying. I mean, it's annoying with the Warriors because they're so terrifying and like they have Steph and Clay and like those screens are freeing them up rather than like freeing up a Delavadova off a Tristan Thompson moving screen. Yeah, like a good, <laughs> a good shooter, but not as like not as lethal, right? Like yeah, Del- or a, a perfectly fine shooter free in the corner, and it's like okay, whatever. But like when it's those guys, it's just like oh come on, like you need to give them one more advantage but i mean it just isn't call around the league so it's tough to get too bent out of shape over it sam what did you think well, of the way- was- no go 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 uh, I, I thought it was funny about the heat game was the way heat fans were uh going off on the illegal screen thing but completely uh warrior fans at the same time were going off about how heat fans were holding steph's jersey the whole game so <laughs> the it was just, it was just so. like, 
it was hilarious because Warriors fans were like, that's not a legal screen. That's legal. Uh, but then, but then, like up in arms over the jersey hold, and then on the other side, you have Heat fans like, no, they're just playing aggressive defense. I was like, cool, but that was an illegal screen. <laughs> so it just oh kinda, man, it, it just I love petty the Twitter. Economy of a fan. It just shows that, like the dichotomy of a uh, fandom, you know, it's like you can, you can find something on every way, basically unless Scott Foster is, or Tony brothers are calling a game. That you know, game always, was so yeah. Tony brothers, like under Tony brothers, it's that game. Like that game was the most <laughs> Tony brothers thing ever. Doe and Malloy. I can't, I can't, I still can't <laughs> figure Do either of you guys have theories why they always get high profile games? Cause like, I don't mind Joey Crawford. Like, yeah, he's, he's annoying, but at least he calls the game. Cause you know, his the name. same. No, but I, I, Joey Crawford calls the game the same pretty much every time, you know, if he's calling an illegal screen in the first, he's calling it the same way fourth. You know, if you're, if he's calling a certain type of, uh, you know, uh, if he's calling verticality a certain way, he's calling it consistent. So I'm fine with that, even if he's like a little tight. I think or a the players are too, by the games. way. I think the players are too. Oh, for but sure. I, I think all anyone wants is consistency. Like, I know what I, I can't can do. Figure, Don't change it. All, all I'm saying is I can't figure out why Scott Foster and Tony Brothers constantly get big games. Because, like, for, whatever. Like, you know, Thursday. Gambling. A random, fixed. a random middle season game is something. But like, they're calling finals games. They're calling Eastern Conference, Western Conference finals games. Yep. They're, they're always in the mix. So it's not like the league knows that they suck and it's just like, whatever. It's a random game, you know? Well, Sam, I wanted to ask you, what did you think of the way that he played that game? Because this is a Heat podcast, so we have to sneak a little bit in there. Uh, okay, so I think I think the Heat played it as well as anyone. I've been I've been putting this out for a while. The biggest, the best way to guard the Warriors is to go with a wing on Draymond Green. The two times, the two times the Warriors played the Heat, I thought, dang played really well both times like obviously you're, you're not going to completely shut them down but like going with going with dang on draymond and with the, the pick and roll and everything it just it works better because he's used to guarding perimeter players and draymond by default wants he plays like a perimeter player like he would rather have a power forward on him because he's used to having a guy four inches taller who's not used to perimeter skills. But if you're guarding him and the same way you would guard a random perimeter player who knows how to check his dribble, who knows how to move their feet, it frustrates him a lot more. So I thought they guard him well. Obviously, the the, the biggest problem is um, most teams just don't have enough wings to do that. You know, like you saw the the Thunder put KD, KD Russ on the pick and roll, and it was pretty effective. But then you have Ibaka, you know, trying to guard a wing, and like and Ibaka played well. Waves. He played. He played really well. But like, it, it gets to my point. Like, if they actually go small, they have to put Dion and Roberson, and that's you know over the course of time, that's a net negative versus Iguodala mm-hmm. and Clay, right? Like, and then just, Durant fouls out, and then you really have no wings. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, you just like it's a it's the, the best way to play the Warriors is to go with a bunch of rangy wings who can play the perimeter and have a big time rim protector in there. But uh, most teams just don't have that personnel. Well, I was going to ask, um, and, but Dwayne was awesome that game. And that's something that he can't reproduce every just you hate Dwayne. Can, we, can you tell the audience why you hate Dwayne? Oh, no, you're like Nikos. You hate him. Uh, I don't even know what it really is. You hate I, him, dude. Just admit I, it. It's okay. This is a safe space. 
to be fair, I was rooting for the 06 Heat. Like, Shaq and Wade yeah, or whatever. Gary Payton. Looks- Antoine Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, on the floor, Shimmy. White chocolate. Yeah, I, I, I think, like I think Justin's I think Justin's thing with, with Wade is similar to mine where... Oh, what, you too? He's he's kind of living off reputation. You're a cop. Yeah, he's, yeah, there's that. He's, he's, there's not, he's, not, he's certainly not bad, but he's not as good as... Well, first off, of well, course yeah, he's, he's, he's 34 he years old, has no yeah. cartilage in his knee, and he's missing a meniscus. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty amazing he's still able to be effective on a, a re- reasonably consistent basis without a jump shot, without the ability well, to finish without over a three, people. Without anymore. a three-point shot, his jump shot's that's true. He's got he's got like he's got the fifty. Yeah, he's he's, he's got one of the better mid-range feet, yeah. shooters like ever, but like he like he's a really good mid-range shooter, but he just doesn't have the three. You know what? But maybe not, some not, of it, do you consider do you consider that mid-range because like his range he he like he has it's all like the, the moves from foot, eight, yeah. eight to eight to 15 feet is like him he's got all the like it, the it little depends like how he floater shoots. the short shot yeah if he's I curling mean, off a screen he can push it out a little further uh but if it's off the dribble it, it, it usually is a little closer you know what maybe some of me not liking wade comes from and like this is stupid, but like I mean, there's no player I really hate. I should clarify that. Um, I think some of why Just, I don't. We like need a hot take. Is, you need to say you hate Dwayne. <laughs> okay, we need, to, we need to hot. Why take. I hate why I hate Dwayne <laughs> is because I feel like Chris Bosh really did not get enough credit uh, during Miami's he run. He did not. And like it was it was always LeBron Wade or whatever. And I really thought the two years that uh, you guys won. Uh, the title or probably more so yeah two last two the two years you guys won the title like Bosch was probably the second most important player on those teams well, in a Wilshire lot of ways would like, say that. His, always said that his vote versatility the way he played defense the way him playing as a stretch five um like opened up those driving lanes to Wade, who isn't a great shooter. Uh, like it, it created so much, um, like it, the whole system was based around him, um, playing at the five. Maybe that's why I don't like Whiteside as much too, because I think Bosch should be playing at the five. Well, it's funny uh, because their best lineup Miami's has been Whiteside at the five dang at the four with no Bosch. And it's like by a lot, it's like, I think they're plus eight. Yeah, actually, um, I actually kind of disagree with, with Justin a little bit on this. Um, I, by me. I agree with that. Their best. Their, <laughs> like, I, I've, been saying, I've been saying it all. I've been saying it all season. They I hate your to, sounds. They just can't. They can't play Bosch and Whiteside together, and it's it's easy. They cannot. It's, I, it's evident. I mean, right. I mean, right yeah. now. I mean, I hope Bosch is okay. I hope he's back. But I actually think if Bosch comes back. Um, they have a nice little thing going because you can platoon those two at the center spot. I'm not saying you can't play the two of them together. You can't play the two of them and Wade and Dragon together. But well, if you're Joe Johnson, one of, you can plug him in and Dwayne spot if you're going to play the two bigs together. Sure. Or you can do a lot. You can do a lot of interesting things. One to bring you're bringing one of those four off the bench and kind of staggering the thing the whole way through, which is where what you're never. Exactly, and that and it's it's working, and there's reason it's working. It it, it complements everyone's game better, you know. We were talking so. before about uh, you were talking about when they, the Heat were best and Bosch being the most important player. This is how LeBron propped up these guys. This is the Heat three point percentages in the 2013-2013 season. Battier at forty three percent, Allen at forty two percent, Chalmers at forty one percent, Mike Miller at forty two percent, and LeBron at forty percent. Mm-hmm. God, don't you wish he was out there again? five guys shooting <laughs> over 40%. What's LeBron's this year? Like under 20 still? Justin, do you know? 
it, it's 27 or 28. Yeah, it's like 27 or 28. Like, if you guys could, like, FedEx his shot to Cleveland, that'd be great. <laughs> I think he left it here, dude. Does yeah. anyone have a theory where it went? Like, I do. I, I was expecting it to fall off. Oh, I have off. lots of theories. No, he I have he left theory. it behind. I was fine. expecting it to fall off. Well, let me finish this first. Like, just <laughs> moving from the way Miami played to the way the Heat want to play, or sorry, the way the Cavs want to play with with their personnel, like he was due Slash for a little LeBron bit. Of a, wants to play. Yeah. Yeah. They were, he was due for a dip, but like, mm-hmm. I thought, I thought dip meant going from around 40 to 33 to 35, which is still a competent, effective guy. You got to guard. Right. Which it was 35 last season. And actually it was funny because last, in, you know what? It was weird because LeBron was actually shooting pretty well from three to start off in Cleveland. And then he had a game. It was against Orlando, I think, where he landed on one leg and it was like hyper extended. It bent the wrong way. And after that game, he just didn't shoot well, like didn't shoot well the rest of the season, didn't shoot well in the playoffs. Um, I, I think some of it. I, I think LeBron's decision-making in Cleveland's a lot worse than it is in Miami because Miami, they had him playing off ball, skin, nice catch and shoot looks. Um, like he wasn't bringing it up and he wasn't playing the LeBron basketball that I think he went back to Cleveland to play. Um, it, and it's funny because like, honestly, I, I, I think Miami had the right idea with LeBron. Uh, Cleveland, obviously, if you can get LeBron back, you, you do it. But yeah. him coming back so he can have more control, so he can play his own way, isn't the best way for him to play. And I think some of that's reflected in his three-point shooting. I, I think uh, some of how uncomfortable the team is together is due to that. Um Really, and, and I mean, it's turned into it's turned into OKC 2.0, where it's like the, in a lot of ways but without yeah. Westbrook. Yeah, because <laughs> with Westbrook, because it's like you can. Oh, gee, the sheer the sh- LeBron is talented enough to play his way and beat. 25 26 teams on a regular basis but it's like you need that structure of forcing him to do things he doesn't want to do which give you an advantage and kind of sacrificing a little bit to Mm -hmm. give him the edge to go over all the other teams that's always been the conundrum with okc everyone's like they iso too much but then at the end of the day if Westbrook and Duran are healthy, they're a 61 team every year. So it's it's hard to drill that message into players' heads or really understand the function that, like, yeah, you can beat Orlando or the Lakers or, hell, you can beat, like, Memphis any time you want. But if you really want to go against, like, the Spurs, the Warriors, like, the top teams, you have to do certain things that, you know, maybe you don't need to do versus other teams, but it's going to pay dividends in those you know, the highest level matchups. Justin, I have a question. I, I completely agree. Yeah. Why don't, why doesn't Kyrie screen for LeBron more? Cause in the games I've seen, that's not a thing they like to go to. It, it'll happen sometimes, but in Miami, that was like a staple of the offense with Ray Allen or Chalmers screening for, for LeBron. You know what? Kyrie actually does screen a, a fair bit for LeBron and like, Honestly, I want to see LeBron screen for Kyrie more. Like, I think that would be something that would work really well. Because honestly, like, when LeBron is running, like, the initiator in the pick and roll, especially with his three-point shot leaving him, you can go under on that screen every time. Like, they have good role men. I think Tristan Thompson, last time I looked, he was second in the NBA in points per possession as a role man, uh, just behind DeAndre Jordan, just a little bit ahead of Whiteside. Like, he, he's a threat in there, but with LeBron, LeBron initiating that, um, you're you're able to defend that play a lot easier. Or, or if it's with Kyrie, you can stick with Kyrie more.
more. Um, I think running it with Kyrie and LeBron being the screener would be the best way to go. Um, but that would but, have to be with Love at the Five, because if not, you have Thompson in the paint kind of in no man's land. Right, right, right. Um, the other option, I guess, now with uh, Channing Fry, you could have Channing Fry as the five, and m- maybe you uh, put Love and Fry in opposite corners. You have Jr. spotting up, and you run the LeBron, uh, Kyrie pick and roll. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I, a, I, it's an underrated it's an underrated roster in terms of the creative things you can do with it, but they really like it. it this is where they're different than OKC. On some level, you kind of prefer. Uh, isolation than putting the ball in Dion's hands and like decision making with Roberson and stuff like that. Like the, the Cavs exactly. actually have multiple. Like I, I'm not saying give it to Jr. and ask Jr. to like make reads, but you know they can do mm-hmm. multiple things. You know, put it in Kevin Love's hand and have Kyrie come off a pin down or stuff like that. Like they don't have. Uh, they're not as strapped as OKC with really only two high level decision makers. Right. So the Cavs, Sam, I haven't heard anybody say that, and you're absolutely correct in what you're saying. Mm -hmm. In that they have two capable decision makers, and pretty much everybody else is kind of there. Yeah, exactly. And like the the thing with the Cavs, and I think this is a problem with LeBron. like the Cavs uh, under Tyron Lue, I believe they have the the second best offensive rating in the league. And as Sam said, you can do that against basically every team in the NBA, but you start have troubles against the Warriors and, and to a lesser extent the Spurs. Um, but uh, I think an issue with LeBron, and you guys probably are going to agree with this, LeBron doesn't like changing what he does until he no. sees until he sees it fail. You nailed and, it. And and year one in Miami, even with Pat Riley, even with all those veterans. Well, he was Justin, let me cut you off way. for one second because I think Go people on. overplay this Pat Riley thing too often. He's like not that present, and the players aren't even like that all in. Like Dwayne and Riley don't have this magical relationship that everybody thinks mm-hmm. that they have. Like Dwayne's relationship is with the owners. It's not really with Riley. I think. Of the players, Udonis Haslam might be the one with the really good relationship with Riley. But, but doesn't it help that? But doesn't it help that like Dwayne can have the best relationship with Arison and I, I don't know the minority owners' names, but like they're not Harrison. they're not going to fire Riley because Wade dislikes him. Whereas no, yeah, there's in a structure. Cleveland. I do think at least the first time around, Gilbert would would fire whoever if they didn't like LeBron. If LeBron mm-hmm. didn't like which, them. by the way, and that's what that's what creates like a. I, it doesn't. It's hard to be a leader when you're not on equal footing with your teammates. You know, right? If He's like talking and, down to them instead of being one of them, which Riley forced him because Riley. I mean, he didn't he Riley try to get Spolster fired. Talk. No, Riley wasn't the one talking. I mean, I mean, the guys who deal with the team day to day is is Spolster. I mean, Spolster was. Oh, I mean, Riley goes to practices sometimes, but Riley was not a very present figure in, in that team. At least, sure. But what what I'm getting at is him. I mean, he him backing Spolstra and like if LeBron was upset with Spolstra and tried to back channel do something, he's like, no, Spolstra is the coach. That's that's what you need. No, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. but that's more of an organizational structure than a Riley structure. The, the organization has very oh no no for sure and, and that's kind of feel you know. 
And that's what I was getting at. I, I was just kind of listing them as one of the guys because, like, they had a lot of veterans there, a lot of guys, LeBron respect, Riley, obviously the whole organization. Like, it, it, there was a lot of stability there. But even with all those factors, LeBron wasn't going to change until he saw them fail against Dallas. He saw what they were doing didn't work. Uh, obviously, uh, he had his own struggles in that series as well. Say, say because, it. Say it. Hmm? J.J. Barea. <laughs> would have posted yeah. up. He would not post up JJ Berea. Yeah, um, but well, he hadn't gone. But, he hadn't gone to Hakeem's camp yet, guys. He didn't know how. To oh post yeah, up. the magical Hakeem camp. Hakeem's <laughs> <laughs> Liz. Hakeem's out here stealing money from people. Man. It's it's the best thing ever. It's like one of the most like gifted, nimble footwork. He's like, hey guys, let me teach you for three days how to have the best balance and ballerina feet ever. It's a like, fucking scam. It's the only. <laughs> The only camp like, that I've heard that's funnier is the one that the Raptors sent Jonas Valanciunas to to learn how to run because they're what? like he doesn't know how to learn know how to run. They like how do you not know how and to like, run? And like for the first twenty games of like I think this was last season, they're like, oh look how much better Jonas is running. Like he's got a wider gait. He's not getting as tired, but of course he was getting as tired. He's always out of shape. He's never able to get up and. Forth. Some he, guy he walks on around, Twitter. He walks around like a chicken with his head cut off all the time. Uh, like his Bismack Biombo like sets better screens and finds position like open space better than Jonas. But that's another story. That's bold. But that that's one of your cap. But like I, and Jonas I is the epi- Jonas is the epitome of like you look at the stats, you watch some highlights, you're like this guy's gonna be a really good player, and then you watch him play, you're like he has no clue what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> Defending the pick and roll, Jonas Valanciunas makes like, Kevin Love look like Draymond Green. <laughs> Some of those. Is it, he's he's, he's, he's not quite Enos Cantor, but he's, he's not far off. Can we talk yeah. about what an egregious mistake the Thunder have made paying Enos Cantor all that money to play off the bench? Man, <sighs> what are they going to have to pay Steven Adams? Oh, my. They, I, they They're still a year off that. on they that. Can't, Keep, marinate on that. Marinate they, on they that. They can't keep him, right? Like, let's say they keep Duran and Westbrook. They can't keep Stephen Adams. If they, oh no, they no, no. OKC spends. OKC spends to keep talent. They're going to keep him. Yeah, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I picked up on that. <laughs> Can we talk? picking up on throwing down? I do think. <laughs> I do think their their thought process with Cantor was. Let's give him another year under our system, and we can always move him down the line. But that's a f- big gamble because, I mean, granted, contracts are going up, but like big men who cannot defend at all or shoot threes. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, he's a pretty effective scorer. I'll give him that. But like, he's, yeah. I mean, who's taking? There, there are teams will take that contract. Who's taking that contract and giving them something of value in return, though? Mm-hmm. No, that, and that's, like that's that's the problem. And yeah, it, it, like. I think the Thunder did the exact same thing the Cavs did with Kevin Love. Like uh, they signed him to the contract. You got to sign him to the contract. Um, but after a season, they're going to kind of examine their options. And I think, like personally, I think if the Cavs like lose this season, which in all likelihood they they will, um, uh, I think Kevin Love is going to go. Um, but you like think, you, you have, think they're going to get rid of him? Oh, wow. I, I I think I think they would heavily explore. It's a hot their take we've there. been waiting for. I know. Yeah, I think they I think they'd heavily explore their options there. They're not going to move them just for bit pieces, but but just what do you what do you think of this? What do you think of the fact that let, let's assume they get to the finals and lose? 
Yeah. Kyrie would get you a lot more in return. And the fits than Kevin Love. Love. He would. But um, at the same time, you're and, talking about now. You're being biased because Kyrie's your favorite player. <laughs> I, I am. Kyrie's, I, I, Kyrie's a huge I'm talent. Much, he's 23. There's, I mean, by, by all and he has a great contract. Like he's clearly the one you want to move the least. Yeah, but. exactly. And LeBron would be 32 at that point. Kevin Love would be 28. I mean, Love. There's a lot going on there, um, kind of mentally and all that. Like he he doesn't really fit in as much. Uh, Kyrie's more kind of a face of the fan franchise player. Um, honestly, I'd. I'd <laughs> I'd be more upset at that than if they move LeBron <laughs> at this point because, like, you said it, that's <laughs> because, like, honestly, like it, the Warriors are going to be good for a long time. Just go young, maybe. Um, I, I'm not actually encouraging that. No, but I love that you say that because I think there's a feeling around the league that, like, okay, we're gonna, we're nobody's gonna beat these guys. We're gonna gotta catch them. I think me and El Hassan said it on on the Levitard show. Like, you gotta catch them on when they start going down because. I mean, this year and probably next year until Igudala and, and those guys start aging. A little. Yeah, I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't actually um, dismiss the possibility of them coming down to earth sooner than later. Um, obviously, I don't want them to, but I see Igudala, well, especially finals. I mean, we we see what Clay Thompson does in the finals, right? <laughs> All right, no, hold on, wait a second. From the, the, moving the aside James, from that, the James Harden in the finals joke is the best. That guy was awful. Completely. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah. No show. Like complete. I mean, Westbrook. And and if you don't remember that, you can always just look at his other playoff performances. But But hear me out. Hear me out in the Warriors here. Not not to say that they're going to decline anytime soon. But right now, two of their most important players, Iguodala's third or fourth. He's one of their best players. He's clearly yes. that. He's 32. You don't know how he's going to go. He's in. He's probably in the best shape he's been in in three years on the Warriors. Just like the knee issues subsided, and some of that's just playing 26 minutes a game during the regular season. But at some point, he's going to decline. Bogut definitely is going to decline. But like is, he's had so many Bogut physical issues. Important. Like is he? That? Of course, of course it is. Did you not see how oh, horrible yeah. he was versus OKC? Um, and the the thought is. Okay, if Izzeli takes over for Bogut, I mean, it's a natural progression. Different players, but like the Warriors don't need a world beater at center, but they do need a competent rim protector for many matchups mm-hmm. going through through the season. And both are Izzeli, well because Izzeli, the only thing I think Izzeli the most- can't stay healthy. And then you got the third factor, which is Draymond's a six six power forward who throws his body everywhere. I'm not yeah. saying he's going to get injured, but is it really hard to imagine him having back issues in a year and a half? And if that happens, then right. what the fuck are they? They're they're a fifty right. somewhat. And they're a fifty second team curse or word podcast. Yeah, I, all I'm saying is they're they're great, and maybe they have a long run. But like, all it takes is one guy getting old and one guy having a bad fall, and next thing you know, they're. You know, they're they're with the Clippers. They're, you know, mm-hmm. a, a solid playoff team that is nothing. You know, maybe they win some matchups. You sound paranoid. Not. Sam, you sound paranoid. And then you guys get uh, Kevin I sound like some. I sound like someone's been a Warriors fan for over. And then you guys get Kevin Durant. Like That's how it happens, right? 
That's all we got to get him. We we need insurance. Insurance. <laughs> Expensive ex- insurance. Oh my god. It sounds like yeah. it sounds like a FC Barcelona soccer fan. Like, oh, we need we need Suarez, Messi, and Neymar. You know, like we can't that, can hold that it up. Barcelona attack has been like low key the greatest thing ever in soccer. Like, I think <laughs> oh, absolutely. But but it's like that's a, that's a comedy behind it. It's like they go and spend all that money on Suarez when you already have two of the three best strikers in the world. They're like, do you really need this? How is like, Neymar? Your third best player. Like, what planet are you living on? Uh, it depends who you're asking. Some people think he's the second best. Well, see, and that's the crazy part. What it's, what, it's what legitimately debatable. Who spilled water? <laughs> who spilled water or their drink? That was me. What, what did spe- you What did you spill? I actually just poured some water in my cup. So oh, it sounded like I'm trying to. I'm trying to sober up now. I'm trying to go the oh. other way. You know, it's Sunday night. So. I had. My, what did you have? I had. A, I had Tangray and tonic. What'd you got? Oh, I've just been drinking some some wine here. I went home to the uh, to the parents for the night. I said have dinner with my mom. I haven't seen her in a while, and the wine's been flowing. And I took a bottle into, the, into what, my room. What is so. good song. Good man, good man. You, you <laughs> I, had the knob, I had the knob creep maple going, so that's that's a good way to be. Um, but yeah, just to wrap up my point from I don't know how long ago, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it always happens with classic me too. Um But like, I, I think LeBron, like, he needs to see them fail. And last season was a missed opportunity, not just with Kyrie and Love being out. Uh, I think they would have been more competitive. Who knows whether or not they win? Oh. Uh, but yeah, I know there's there's no sense going into that. The, the Warriors were the best team that season. Uh, it was deserved. But you, you can get his decision making. He doesn't know that right. they can't he beat He doesn't them. know if it's going to fail. Exactly. That's you don't the think problem. he doesn't know? I, I think he knows. I don't think he does. I, I think he's LeBron is great that stubborn. Basketball. I know he's stubborn, but you don't think – I mean, LeBron's a lot of things, but LeBron's not stupid. No, but he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. He thinks that he can get this team to where it needs to be. He he doesn't understand that he is one of the problems. Like he makes everything a lot easier. Obviously, he makes them a better team. But in order for them to maximize the roster that they have, he needs to play a different way. And I don't think he understands that. And I think until he starts making those changes, then they're not going to be able to develop the other guys in the ways that they need to develop develop them in order to maximize the potential they have because really they're getting by and like they have such an excellent offense with basically just pure talent and, overwhelming and, talent. and little else yeah overwhelming talent tons of depth um and and there's just so much more potential there, but I don't think he sees that. I think he sees potential there. He sees the talent, but he wants to do it his way. And until he fails doing it this way, I don't think those changes are coming. I, I really can't see it. has a defender has been the most surprising. I know he's not a bad defender, um, but I, there is. Uh, he's I actually feel bad. like he's played better defense this year than he has in the last two years. Not to Agreed. say that it's, like, and, it's, and, it's know, anywhere I, near. It started to slip the last year in Miami. Like 2012. It did. It did. And like the last year in Miami was the first year that I was like, it's I legitimately, I legitimately thought, and even in playoffs, like normally he would kick it up in playoffs. He did, but it didn't go to that same level. And that was when I first started thinking that Kevin Durant was the best player in the NBA. I've had that opinion for a few years now. Um, I, I think Durant, even, even now, like I think Curry's having the most productive season and he is 
the best player in, in terms of what he's doing. I think Durant is the the best overall talent in the NBA right now, and he could be maximized a lot more than he is right, uh, currently. I would um, like to but, see. I would like to see Durant play without the highest usage player in the league. Is all is all I'm gonna say. Like you, he, listen, I pray to the church of Russell Westbrook. What do you say? <laughs> oh, I love I love Westbrook too. I I, I love him too. But like, there are way too many possessions he he sees. I don't want to say sees KD, but he utilizes KD as if he's Kyle Korver. Like, <laughs> oh man, they're not leaving him. I got the lane, and then he just goes in and like whatever happens happens. Russell you know? Westbrook. Well, I, I mean, what they, I, they have way too many possessions, which basically the ball never leaves Rust's hands is all I'm saying. And part of that is they just don't have guys who know how to move the ball. And so, like, can't necessarily blame them. But, like, there are an ridiculous – it's worse than the Cavs and in terms of, like, isolation basketball. Like, Russ takes it and Russ just doesn't pass it. Did you guys notice in that game against um, against the Warriors that – there was a point in that overtime where Russ is like, oh, I have to high pick and roll every single time. And that's what they did every time. Down the pound that high screen and roll with a big who hard roll to the basket. And he kept finding him, dude. Like if he can – and he's been doing that more this year. But yes, you're right. Highest usage player in the league. But it, he's, he's, he's incredible. I mean I can't get over how great and how amazing that guy is and how funny he is. Oh, he's amazing. R- rolling up with the above the rim shirt. Amazing. You guys saw it. Oh right? my god! No, I didn't. What are you so talking good. about? Pre-game, oh. he wore. Hey, have you guys seen Above the Rim? No, it isn't. No. Uh, it's a movie. Uh, God, who's it? Tupac was in it, and like uh, the guy who played Avon Barksdale was in it, and it's like it's. <clears throat> describe it, Justin. It's like it. It, it basically, it's a basketball. It's, it's well, a hood side by side. Was, I'm searching it on Twitter. Yeah, so I the, Twitter the guy was, was like. Oh, I see yeah, the shirt. The, I they see did the side by side of. Oh my god, Russell I see wearing it. the shirt, and then they had, <coughs> yeah, Avon Barksdale essentially. That's awesome. And that's so so the main the main basketball scene in the above the rim is them playing street ball like in a tournament, and it is like it is it's basically what Barkley and those guys are saying because guys are just throwing aggressive elbows like no fouls, and like a guy pulls out a gun and that sort of thing. <laughs> So what? I just it was it was just like subtle shade at like I'm coming I'm coming to get you Steph. <laughs> yeah. Did you see him so, after the game? Oh, he he had a couple tough shots. Yeah, that was great. I I wouldn't expect anything else. Ryan, did you did you hear him post game? I didn't watch any post game, so I don't know. Oh, what, no. what, what do you did say? Did you see on Twitter? No. So he's yeah no he he's he's out here and he's like uh, yeah you know Steph hit a couple tough shots at the end. Like, yeah <laughs> yeah Russ. I wouldn't. Sounds I, like I, Russ. I wouldn't Typical Russ. Russ. I, I wouldn't expect him to say anything else. I would have been, I would have been floored if he said something else. You know, like it's, it's that's just that's just is. It was funny. Oh man, even the Wizards broadcast had a little bit of shade. Actually, I was really impressed. Like I often when I watch games, um, mo- partly because Austin Carr calls Cavs games, and partly because uh, I just like watching opposing teams, um, like broadcast, just because I like oh, you to like see fits? the things. Pardon me. <laughs> you like fits? You listen to Warriors broadcast? No, I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, I like, but like I like the Warriors broadcast. I don't. I hate uh, yeah, the Warriors broadcast. Is that's okay. that's you, uh, Justin? Can we admit that the Cleveland broadcast is terrible? You know what? Here's what I'll say. Fred McLeod is a good play-by-play guy. 
Austin Carr, like you can almost Austin, never it's Austin, understand. It's Austin Carr's fault. He's, he's so bad. Yeah, you can never See understand that. what he's saying. If you want to enjoy Austin Carr, every time you think you're about to get frustrated with him, imagine <laughs> him saying tree fitty. <laughs> if, if any of you have watched South Park, imagine Austin Carr saying tree fitty. And it's immediately funny. Like, he's just, and you know what? Like, I, I think you can't take him seriously because he's not freaking out like Tommy Heinsohn or anything like that. He's just like that drunk uncle that's watching the game with you randomly, like, yelling out gibberish and, like, oh, back well, in my day and all that catchphrases. Like, it's fun. Like, uh, Austin Carr, he's, he's fun, but, like, I like watching other broadcasts just because, like, you, you pick up on kind of what they might uh, have a few observations you don't notice because you see the team all the time. Uh, um, occasionally they throw shade and then you get to make fun of them for it. That's always great. But the Wizards broadcast, I think they said Randy Whitman talked about that last oh. shot. And they were asking whether or not it was a shot or a heave, like whether or not there was like touch on it. And Whitman was apparently saying that it was a heave that Steph didn't shoot the shot. Randy Whitman on like, drugs? <laughs> of course Randy Whitman's on <laughs> drugs. <laughs> Have you seen him coach? <laughs> <laughs> It's the perfect example of why he's not a good coach. It's like, do are you not aware of Steph Curry's range? Like, I mean, it's I'm, this isn't a new thing. This is, it's not like Steph. It's not a shot exactly. unless it's from mid range. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, did you guys see the shade that the Heat Twitter account threw at the Knicks in the middle of the game? Nah. Not what they do. In the third quarter, they go like they the score is up and then they go hashtag Nick's tape with a bunch of crying laughing emoji. Oh, that's great. I what wish they would have thrown really something about um about Rambus's uh Oh my that. god. No <laughs> let me say something. I haven't seen Kurt Rambus in a while. He looks like a creepy old pervert. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, dude, completely. I'm watching I was like, man. No, like if he let his hair get like a little more wild, like not too wild, but like grew it out just a little bit more, a little disheveled. Like like Matt Scientist wild? Yeah, exactly. Like you could totally see him going around in a windowless van, like just handing out candy or some shit like that. Totally smelling pants. That's so creepy. Um, He was, uh, what was I going to say? Did he really play Calderon 40 plus minutes tonight? Oh my God. It was so bad. I don't know what the hell he was doing. Like those lineups he was throwing out there, I was like, I have no idea. I caught the I caught the tail end of the game, um, and it was over. And I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And I, I I'm just I see his post game as I'm watching, and he's like, we were too reliant on Mello. I'm like, no, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I, thought, was like, they, I thought they didn't go to Mello enough. <sighs> they just they never put uh, Mello in the pick and roll. It's the weirdest thing. I don't get it. Mm. Like oh, my, no, pick and roll. Pick and roll is not good offense. You got on the triangle. Uh, of course. <laughs> I mean, just like that's it wasn't working. Poor person. That was the other great thing about Phil's comments. Like, I'm not saying Steph would ever leave, is going to leave the Warriors, but you never know what's going to happen. For all you know, Lacob's going to, you know, do something creepy with his wife and he wants out. And <laughs> Phil Jackson's out here saying he's not that good, making sure that, you know, they don't have a shot to. But, like, why are you insulting current players? A future player. Yeah. Brian. A future free agent. It doesn't matter, even if you don't want to sign him. Like, what could you see any other GM making a comment like that? Just mm-hmm. oh, maybe uh, it's like oh, you, LeBron, something we've never seen before. Obviously, you guys don't remember Buckshaw Williams in the seventies. You know, <laughs> Who runs like the that, Lakers? Yeah. I could see them saying something stupid. 
buses. Oh, cup check. Brian, did think, you um right? yeah, cup check. Brian, did you see uh Phil Jackson during the, the game? I mean I, he looks stoned as fuck. Did you see him? You did oh my what? god, so guys, so Phil Jackson's <laughs> looking at the sky with his mouth wide ass open and like he just looks so high, man. Like Phil's not all there anymore. I heard he's like Phil just has <laughs> Phil has Phil's on Quaaludes every single moment <laughs> Phil's of his gone, life. Dude, it's over. Like Phil, it's over. Retired, dude. Phil, Phil just pulls eleven rings whenever anyone says anything, and no matter what's going on with the Knicks, he just goes, "They're not running the triangle correctly. It's not the triangle's fault. Eleven rings. That's like literally what he does." And that sounds like, like Celtic fans. Basically, so, so it's just like it, there's no losing in this argument, and then and then you got Dolan in the background, like, well, he does have eleven rings. <laughs> and then, you know, so it's just like it's a, it's, a it's, it's an. I have a theory. Go for it. What's there are no Lakers fans. It's all Phil Jackson ghost accounts. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Kobe fans? Those just going rings. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. Kobe. It's just Phil Jackson being like, man, how can you say something bad about Kobe? Rings, man. Kobe fans solicit this weird reaction out of people that I didn't know was capable in sports. Oh, it's like, amazing. It's so weird, though. When he was so replaceable for a lot of those rings. He, I, like, <laughs> dude, what? I don't know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but I'm I'll, kidding. I'll, but I'm always down for throwing shade at Kobe. I can't follow you there. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But what I mean by that is, like, you could swap, like, if you swap Shaq for, like, another really good center. For Rick Smith. From that era. You're not, you're, yeah. you're not winning a title. Yeah. You're not. If you swap yeah. Kobe Bryant for Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, guys like that, you're winning a title. No. Oh, absolutely. Think? You are absolutely well, winning. Especially T-Mac. T-Mac was better than Kobe for like oh, two of those years, too. I don't I don't disagree with that. I just disagree that in that system that they ran, Kobe was such a good post-up guard that I'm not sure T-Mac or Vince Carter were as good in that triangle system. No, but the, oh, they, T-Mac, they, T-Mac was a better passer, though. The, the biggest issue with the biggest issue with Kobe in those days was like this is per Phil's words. Like he broke off the triangle too much. And on yeah. some degree, like you do no matter what system. You need the guy who can make a play when when stuff falls apart because at some point it will. So you're always going to need a bad shot maker in some capacity or another, or someone who could just create out of nowhere, right? Yeah. That's like that's a big part of that's probably what Wade's biggest value to the Heat is now. Um, but anyway, um, I, so I think you do need I, that. I kind of agree with you in that sense about Wade, but I think also just as a I mean, Dwayne is still an excellent. Oh, of passer. course. Like his playmaking ability is what. His only value, sure, but so so is Dragic. If you put if you if you put the ball in Dragic's hands and allowed him to run the offense, I don't think the offense loses anything on a possession to possession basis. I just think uh, I think you, against you better do. defenses, Wade is capable of more things off the high pick and roll, in particular because they don't have space. I, in sure. their case, be, Wade could do more without space. He can he can bully he can bully guys better than and he's than a better Dragic. passer. He's a better pass. Drogic may get more assists because of the pace he plays at, and he can get guys shots. But as just as a sense of who can make more difficult passes, it, it's Wade, and I don't even think it's close. Any, anyway, move, moving it back to the Kobe. Thing. Yeah, Kobe's all, biggest issue was always he'd he'd break it off way too quick. He always wanted to get his, or he didn't trust guys. Like the most famous Kobe example will always stick. Oh, in my, my mind. favorite. Was it 2000, 2004, game four? 
You know that one? It was Shaq goes 16 of 21 or something like that, 38 points, and they lose the game because Kobe took like tw- – he was something like, I don't know, 7 of 28 or something ridiculously bad like that where he was just ignoring Shaq the whole fourth and going hero mode. And they ju- he just shot him out of the game. They lost like 87-85 or something like that. What was that game and seven f- line against the, the Celtics when they won? Uh, the famous 6 oh, for 24. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> He's going down swinging. <laughs> on our test, had to bail his ass out. That's a funny sentence. Ron Gass- Gasol was great. Look, Gasol should have been Finals MVP. He, he really should have. And, and, uh, and this I mean, one, you could go, no, go. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say that Gasol should have been Finals MVP, and Danny Green should have been Finals MVP over Kawhi Leonard when the. I'm no, I'm sorry. Well, Bronx. Uh, no, forget it. No, 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 no. Yeah, if they won, won, if they I got won. my series totally mixed up. Forget I said yeah. that. If not yeah. for Ray Allen. <laughs> wow, I'm just not here right now. Oof. Too many gin and tonics. That was bad. <laughs> but honestly, like you can make a legitimate argument that over no point of his career was Kobe Bryant the best player in the NBA. Like you, I still think he's a top twelve player all time. Um, his longevity and all that. But like, really, when you think about it, like Duncan, KG, uh, even like when he got really. Like, he was really good. Like, his MVP year, Chris Paul, I think, deserved that. Uh, you could make an argument for LeBron that had kind of already overtaken him at that point. make an argument for Dwight point. Howard that year. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of guys. Actually, you exactly. could make a strong argument for KG because of what they what he did for the Celtics. Dirk is Absolutely. Well, but, absolutely. Dirk but, had um, 2007. I, I can't, it's going to kill me that I can't give credit to whoever said this, but I thought it was a strong point. Like Kobe Bryant is probably one of the five or six most skilled players of all time. Oh, for sure. But it, Absolutely. But in terms of impact and like all that stuff, I don't, I don't have I don't think he's a top 10 player per se, but that's, that's, that's where it gets, it's hard to like, how do you define what a top 10 player is? Like Kobe, define basketball for an era you know like his skill level is unreal yeah yeah so but like but but then this point is out there's no singular year i can point to where i was like kobe equaled the most wins yeah like even even like the years where he's averaging 35 36 points you could say kg and duncan while they weren't scoring as much did so many more things that helped you win on a game in game out basis Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, just because KG was more complete on both ends as well as Duncan, and I think Kobe's defense has been severely overrated for his entire career. Like, and not that it's not not that it wasn't. He's, it, he's, it was a, he's a better very, version. Very he's but, a better yeah. version of he's a better version of Russ, um, in the sense of a, a very good, a very great, like angry face. Yes, and he knew how to he knew how to d someone up one on one. But my God, like schematically, he did he played defensive hero ball. No, I, I completely, and I've always said that. And he's, I mean, how many defensive first teams has he made? He's made. I'm gonna check right now. He's made a bunch. Um, and a oh, guy yeah. like a guy like probably made it last year. <laughs> No, there were times at the end of his career. So coaches coaches value his defense, and it's like the weirdest thing because they'll remember remember a game where they played the Lakers where it was – Nine-time all-first defensive team. They'll remember – but like you'll hear coaches say this. They'll go, when when the game's on the line, like I would rather have him guarding someone. And like you you can go pull old tapes where like it's a back-and-forth game. He's guarding no one for 44 minutes. And then like the last four to – three to four minutes 
you know, he goes full energy on both ends and maybe the Lakers win the game. Like I'm talking, let's say, oh, one, oh, two, you know, the years they're winning titles. And how do you really value that? Like you can't call him a great defender because for three quarters he was dogging it. But then on the other hand, he made the defensive plays he had to make to win the game. I mean, Sam, yeah, so. he made it in 2011. OK, everyone, everyone acknowledges. And he made a second team in 2012. Yeah, everyone. Well, I don't. I don't. There, no reasonable person will argue that he deserved a place on an all defensive team. Let's say post two thousand eight, maybe two thousand seven. Like, basically, the the point he went over thirty. It's the same as LeBron. LeBron will pick and choose his spots. So you can argue how effective he is defensively, but like Wade, the same by the way. Wade will ne- Wade will never be a great. It's or over. LeBron, they'll never be a great defender on a game in game out basis. You they'll know, it's, a, it's a matter of if they can if they can ratchet it up for key stretches. Exactly. No, completely. Yeah. And in that 2011, um, that was the year that the Heat had that insane defense that was forcing a thousand turnovers. That Wade, that was the last great year of Wade defense. And uh, yeah, here's 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 the here's the dirty secret of it. There's no star player. I'm talking like legitimate offensive star is a good defender pretty much after the age of 30 possession in oh, out completely. in out. Even jo- even Jordan Jordan wasn't Jordan did the same thing that Kobe does, but he played in an era where team defense was less important. I'm talking the second three Pete. The second three Pete was all Pippen playing defense. And then Jordan, the last five minutes, like mm-hmm. I'm going to dig into you, you know, but it's like, plus, is, plus the league wasn't terribly skilled or deep. Well, I mean, he, he didn't play in an era where like rotations and stuff was going on, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's, there's, a, there's a physical reality to, being over the age of 30, being expected to score 25, like carry the offense. And in like, this NBA too? I mean, and, and with yeah. the travel I mean, schedules. You, you, and- see, you, see, you saw it with KG and Duncan. Like they just, they, they went from being 25 point per game guys to being what? 10 to 10 to 15 and like playing fast. the, but playing like the top notch defense. Cause that's the trade off because you can't, mm-hmm. because it's impossible. Well, for KG like was still 30, getting like, KG was still getting like 18 and 10 in Boston or like 17 and 10. Uh, sure. He was, he was also like, but 31, like Chris Bosch did the exact same thing. Right. Like Chris right. Bosch I mean, went it's, down. It but was, their games also aged a little better offensively because it wasn't get They weren't getting beat up down low. It was a lot of a perimeter oriented game. And yeah. yeah. And being, being a big man, they're not like, you know, let's say LeBron or let's say Kobe's averaging 25 points at 32, 33. Like that doesn't take into account the, the 30 or so other possessions where he's dribbling it up and creating the offense and he maybe he doesn't get a shot off or something, but like a big man, for example, you know, like you're setting screens, you're doing stuff, but you can still rest on offense if you're not touching the ball. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's a little bit of it. It's a little bit of a different thing. Like prim, maybe, maybe it's a perimeter thing. Like it's, it's just impossible to carry that load and be like, well, that. no, cause if you're down, I mean, it depends because Chris Bosch is, is kind of a glorified jump shooter as well as, I mean, not that that's all, not all they do, but <sighs> a lot of their time, who the hell yawned? Yo, <laughs> come on, man. It's, it's, that was an intentional yawn as the glorified fourth. jump shooter. Oh, I thought you were <laughs> yawning cause you were tired. No, well, I'm not saying it about Kevin Love. It's not about my own guy, Chris Bosh. I know. We listen. We pray to the church of Chris Bosh here. Like Chris Bosh has a cult in Miami. I'm so. Oh, Chris Bosh is. <laughs> I'm glad. Great. I'm glad he does. I'm the the, the post LeBron Bosh Love Fest in Miami is one of one of my favorite things in the NBA. It's amazing. Was, it's amazing. 
he was he was pretty he was underappreciated by the casual fan for sure. I, I agree with Justin there. I still it, think he's still underappreciated. By casual yeah, absolutely. Fan. But it feels like he do he fans appreciate him more now. No, he fans but he fans have always appreciated him, and I think Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's always been. I think he kind of got the short end of the stick national media wise, but I think the fan has always understood what he did defensively because it was a point of emphasis with the team forever. Like what he did in pick and roll defense was just nobody's position was doing that at that time. Uh, Cause KG had already aged. So he was like one of a kind in that sense. I think more people that uh, I just want to add on to what he says. I think more people, uh, especially a lot of few fans that became bad wagons. Um, they were just kind of shocked that Bosch wasn't a, a post-up player that they, they kind of, molded Not him to be and yeah i mean they people thought a big man supposed to be about the guy that you know is a is a guy that you know he's is not, a he's workforce not in the morning. paint he's not but yet. he's more of a finesse player he's now shooting threes at a pretty decent clip it, it, in a sense i think most fans didn't understand that at the time obviously now the nba has changed it's revolutionized thanks to your golden state warriors and eric spolstra but yeah but i bosh in, in a sense in, in just like heat twitter um, community. I mean, like, there no one, came, no one can oh, say. I don't think that he get. I, I think it's hilarious. Everyone talks about like Spolstra invented the defense the Warriors are doing. One hundred percent. Like, it's just that the, that the whole tra- high, aggressive trapping, the yep. trapping, the switching, the everyone being kind of a similar like multi positional like because part of the reason Bosch is so effective is like you can switch him on to all these positions and obviously LeBron's peak, you could switch on to every position and even guys like Battier and Wade, like, I mean, spit. Wade could switch on to small forwards. Fine. Oh, and like, Wade same with guard Carmelo. Wade would guard Carmelo. Yeah. For I mean, they, they just, they had that, they had that interchangeability that like positionless basketball going on. And, but it didn't get the credit because LeBron is, is, is he so an extraterrestrial. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I mean, yeah, he's he's hulking, so he got like the hero ball fame in that sense. When like really they they essentially run the same thing the Warriors do, just like the stars are different types of players. Yeah, no, and and LeBron is different from Curry and Draymond, and it, it's all spearheaded differently. But it's well, the the amazing thing I we always talked about the Heat was how quickly they could score. Like if they're down ten, they can erase that in a minute and a half. It was like through forcing. Not the Warriors. Do and it I would actually, threes. I would actually the say heat. that with the Warriors this year, their defense has been in Miami Heat 2012-13 esque. You remember that team? It didn't have the greatest defense, but when it was the last fight, like their clutch time, do you rating oh my was God, best swarming, flying everywhere? That's that's what the Warriors have been this year. Last year, they were number one in D rating all year, and a part of it was because the offense just wasn't like new system turnovers, and they were just kind of like gritting it out all game. This year, they're so comfortable in the offense, and they're playing that kind of like. I don't care if you get 80 on us in three because we've got 90 on you, you know? Exactly. But then you saw it against OKC. OKC was getting what they wanted all game until <coughs> the last four or five minutes, and they dug into it. Like, KD still hit some ridiculous shots just because KD is going to do that. But, like, all the other stuff went away, and, like, the way they trapped at the end of the game. And they've been doing that all year. Like, the Warriors are... 18 and one in five in get in like clutch games, you know, like five minutes, five points or less. So they, they've just been doing that thing where it's like, 
all right, the same thing the Heat did when they won 66. It's like, we got it. We're turning it up right now. But like, they can't be bothered to play, uh, you know, playoff defense on a Tuesday against Denver unless Denver has a crazy And first that's going to happen as they go forward if they start collecting championships like stamps. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's like I I, I think that, I think there's like I said with Jordan's with Jordan's Bulls and the the Shaq Kobe Lakers, there's a myth that they dominated their way through the season. They did the exact same thing. I watched both those teams. They they turned up when they needed to, but like you just can't expect guys who it's unreasonable who are who, who are living for May and June to come out in you know November against pick a team with the same intensity. It's just it's just reality. It's unreasonable. And with that, good place to end. We've gone on for a while. And it's almost Leonardo DiCaprio time at the Oscars. I can't wait to see him lose. I'm very excited for this. No. Uh, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. <laughs> uh, Justin uh, Rowan has been on with for Fear the Sword and Warriors World. We had Sam, and I'm not saying your last name because it scares the whole Sandiari. Uh, <laughs> gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. Thank you guys so much. It's, it's been awesome. And for everybody wanting maybe more Heat Talk, we'll have another podcast this week. We're doing two this week for you guys. How about that? So we will talk Joe back Johnson. Back to back. Yeah, back to back. We will talk Joe Johnson <laughs> Day and other fun uh, Heat-related things. But this was kind of a little break and uh, something I wanted to do because we don't talk. So is Joe, Johnson better, is, is Joe Johnson a better Heat than LeBron? Historically. Is, is, Joe, is Joe Johnson are we a, a better Heat all time than LeBron? Right? Oh, Heat Lifer, dude. Heat Lifer, dude. Let's go. <laughs> here you say he's resigning. <laughs> yeah, no, he wants to be here forever. He already said that. Listen, if you replace Gerald Flocka Green in the lineup, like you're popular among Heat fans. <laughs> like Heat Nation turned on Flocka I mean, so fast. No one, no one loves a 34 year old former All Star like Pat Riley. No, dude, they we can go they'd back have history. the most that's, that's other just, team in 2009. Insane. Like this team in 2009. Like, come on, let's go, let's go, Warriors. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that'd be pretty lit. That's true. I don't want 2009 Wade and Joe Johnson going at. Uh, actually, I'd, 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 I'd like to go at 2009 Whiteside. That'd be okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.